Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome to Sunday service and also to the end of our beautiful Inner Renewal Week. And welcome also to those of you who are watching us online. This week's topic is from the rays of the one light is the importance of soul receptivity. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Chapter 1 of the Gospel of St. John states, But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. This was a passage Paramahansa Yogananda often quoted to his disciples. Be in tune, he would tell them. Delusion can't touch you if you will keep in tune. A few of you will fall, he said once, but it needn't be if you would stay in tune. Of a disciple who became highly advanced, even though she didn't meditate much, he said she got there by attunement. To one who found meditation difficult, he said, I will meditate for you as long as you are in tune. Truth is a state of consciousness, not a well-worded definition. It is in that consciousness, above all, that our lives are transformed. Therefore, the Bhagavad Gita says in the 10th chapter, to those who are ever attached to me and who worship me with love, I impart discernment by means of which they attain me. Out of my love for them, I, the divine within them, set a light in them the radiant lamp of wisdom, thereby dispelling the darkness of their ignorance. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. big week of classes and activities. Those of you who have been with us all week, it's, it's been wonderful. And of course, we want to thank um, all of you who came. We want to thank the Expanding Light staff who worked so tirelessly and the whole community who helps the musicians and Kriacharyas and volunteers, everyone who puts on such a week. And there's always a sense of joy when we come to a conclusion of an inspiring event like this, and the karma yogis too, I should mention them with great appreciation. But I remember some years ago, Jatish and I and Catherine Karavi were going up to Seattle for some programs. And as we were landing in Seattle, the plane had sort of a bumpy landing and we were bouncing up and down. And finally we leveled out and the plane came to a halt and there was a little girl on the plane. 
and she kind of expressed for what all of us were thinking. She kind of yelled out, We made it! We made it! <laughs> and I always feel that way at the end of a big event. <laughs> we made it! One more time. Okay. I want to start by reading a beautiful passage from Yogananda's Whispers from Eternity. And as you heard in Jyotisha's reading, our topic this week is soul receptivity and attunement. So this passage is, Tune us that we may hear thy voice. Volumes of thy Savior voice resound through the loudspeaker of every loving heart. The voice of thy wisdom roams through the ether of space, seeking everywhere hearts that are tuned to ecstasy. Sadly, thy warning sermons pass unheard by souls deafened with the static of sense pleasures. O divine broadcaster, tune our souls, long distracted by the static of our indifference. Fine-tune us with the delicate touch of soul perception. Grant us the privilege of hearing thy magic melodies in the ecstasy of divine awakening. So as we heard in the reading, Master emphasized attunement over and over again to the disciples. And how can we deepen our attunement? No matter what's going on in our life, there's always the next step. And I'd like to touch on three things. The first is deepening our devotion. And in this case, it means thinking of God more and more and more throughout the day, throughout our lives. And I like to do a little practice, and I'll offer it to you. When I wake up in the morning and at the conclusion of meditation, I think of what lies ahead that day. Maybe it's good things. Maybe it's challenging things. Maybe it's a meeting with a dear old friend. Maybe it's a problematic phone call that has to be made. Maybe it's a visit to the doctor that you know might have some problems involved. And I'd like to think, Master, you be with me. Be there in the phone call. Be there in the meeting. Be there in the meeting with friends. Be there in the doctor's office. Just try to plan your day, not according to your device, <laughs> but according to divine presence, that he will be there, she will be there, however you, God is precious to you, but just to plan the day in that way. And then at the end of the day, maybe before you go to sleep or the conclusion of your meditation, to look back and review. Thank you, Master. That was scary when I wasn't sure what the diagnosis the doctor was going to tell me. But you were there. And whatever the outcome was, it was okay. And you were there when I had to have that difficult phone conversation with that person. And you guided my words. And you were there when my little child was sick and I was scared. And you, sh and you helped me. So begin the day planning the moments you're going to connect with Master end the day by reviewing. And sometimes it's so unexpected 
those little moments when God touches your life. Maybe you're just walking, going for a little walk, and all of a sudden a little bird starts singing a beautiful song, and you stop and you listen, and you think, oh, that's God. God is reminding me of his freedom and his joy. And so those are good practices to begin developing that kind of moment-by-moment connection with God. And then so much of our life is about interacting with other people, isn't it, when we're not in seclusion. But if we can make an effort, try to discipline yourself, train yourself, that the first reaction you have towards everyone you meet is to see God in them, to see Guru in them. Not, oh, they did this last week, or why this is going to be a problem, but just there's God in that person. There was a beautiful story um, that I read in one of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. You know, there's a whole series, and this was one of them. And it was a story, I don't think it was true, but it's a beautiful principle, that there had been a monastery And at one time it had been filled with vibrancy and devotion and people, the monks were just so dynamically giving their life to God. But over time, as can happen, that inspiration in the monastery diminished and the old monks died off and new monks didn't come. We're so lucky at Ananda, we don't have that situation. The old monks aren't dying off yet and the young monks are coming. (laughs) But it was, the place was empty, and there were only four old monks left. And the head abbot said, I must find out. I don't want to see this place just become an empty relic, an empty shell here. And he remembered that in the forest there lived an old hermit. And he said, maybe that hermit can help me. And so he went out into the forest and found the little hut where the hermit lived. And he told what was the hermit what was going on. And the hermit just kind of shook his head and said, Oh, this, is, this happens. This is a sad thing, but such is human life. And on and on. And he, but he didn't give him any advice. And the head uh, abbot was disappointed and he was leaving. And he was just at the door of the hermit's hut. And the hermit said, Oh, by the way, don't forget, one of you is the Messiah. And the abbot didn't know what to make of that, but he was pondering, and he said, oh, thought, oh, maybe that old hermit has become foolish. And, but he got back to the monastery, and there were the three other monks, remaining monks there, and, and they said, what did he say? What did he say? He said, well, he, he didn't really have any advice for us, but he said something strange at the end. He said, one of you is the Messiah. And they all kind of shrugged and laughed and went back to their cells for evening prayer. And, but they all thought about that. And they thought, well, I know I'm not the Messiah, but Brother Francis, he's such a holy man. He, he, he's always so good and selfless and not thinking about himself. Maybe he's the Messiah. And he began treating him with reverence. And so each one of them thought, well, I know I'm not the one, but maybe it's that one. And so they began treating each other 
looking at the divinity in each soul. And little by little, the spirit changed. And people felt it. And the young people from the nearby village would come. And first they would just have picnics on the lawn. And then a few of the young men kind of said, can we come to your evening prayers? And they said, yes, yes, you can come. And then, may we join you? And little by little, the whole spirit of the monastery was rebuilt, simply with that thought of seeing the divinity in everyone. And so if we want to feel God's presence, we can start by seeing him in each other. So deepening devotion. And then another way to deepen our attunement is to deepen our ability, our, make a special effort in our meditation and in our Kriya practice. Because without Kriya, without interiorizing our consciousness, our love for God will be external. It won't go deep. And so if we can, in the calmness, do your meditation practices, but then when your heart is still, when your mind is calm, think, offer your life to God, and in that stillness you will feel, then life is sweet and death a dream when thy song flows through me. But it's only in that stillness that the song of devotion can flow through us. And so these are ways, devotion, deepening our devotion, and deepening our meditation, and ending our meditation with a deep, heartfelt connection with God, and then taking that out throughout, into your daily life throughout the day. And then remember, Swami said in that passage, Many will fall from the path, but it needn't be if you stay in tune. And so attunement offers us so much. What does it offer us? Well, let's start with protection. It offers us no matter what happens. And, and things happen. People fall off ladders and off scaffolding and all sorts of things. But there's always a sense, even if the body takes a while to recover, that we're being protected. I remember I, this story just came to me. I remembered it this morning. The first year I was at Ananda, Swamiji, Swami Kriyananda, had a, a good friend who lived in Sacramento. He was a, a, a doctor, Dr. Runnels. And so we were having some kind of community satsang, and Swami said... Um, would any of you, uh, we need, Dr. Runnels is moving his office and he needs help boxing up files and doing all the things. And he asked, I remember Shivani, who lives now in Assisi, and me, he said, would you two be willing to go for the week? We said, surely, Swami. And so we went and we spent the week packing up. And then Dr. Runnels and his wife were driving us back from Sacramento to the village. And we were driving along in the car and just ahead of us on the road, there was a vehicle, and it was a truck with a trailer hitch pulling a trailer. And so Shivani and I were in the back seat, and Shivani, who's very irrepressible, she said, let's chant. And so 
we started chanting Jai Guru, Jai Guru, Jai Guru, Jai. And she just had been doing it for maybe a minute. And then Mrs. Reynolds, who was in the front seat, she just said, I don't like the look of that trailer. It's kind of swaying. Let's pull out in front. And Dr. Reynolds said, okay. So as soon as we pulled out in front, we were just parallel to that other truck. That trailer hitch broke. And that trailer went spinning down the highway. And there was a huge pileup of cars behind us. And we would have been the first one. But just when we started chanting, the thought came, let's pull up and get away from that. And we saw in the rearview mirror and turned around what had happened. And this utter moment of utter silence, because we realized through we had been protected by bringing our mind to that chant. And we just kept going. And then we just kept chanting. But the chanting was different now. Because the chanting wasn't just singing. But it was filled with gratitude and devotion. So protection. When we are serving God, when we are thinking of God, things happen, no doubt. We have our karma to work out. But there's always that enveloping presence that makes, brings the situation to the best possible outcome. And then protection, but guidance. Attunement brings us guidance. When we, uh, so often, your kind of life is, after all, life is one question to be answered after another as we go through the day. But if, we're, if we have that sense of, Lord, guide my steps, guide my thoughts. More and more we get the guidance that we need. And it isn't such a big puzzle. Life becomes simple. And, um, and, and we're, drawn, we're drawn to the people we need. We're drawn to the situations. We have a grown son who is in the process of uh, trying to buy a house right now in the area. And he was looking for a real estate agent. And, he, and he's a devotee in his own way. He, there's a connection with Master. He deeply appreciates Ananda and, and this path. And so he said, you know, the funny thing happened. I was looking for a real estate agent. And I just went on the Internet. And there was a woman there, kind of an older woman. He said, she kind of reminded me of Seva, is what he said. <laughs> and she seemed like an Ananda person. And I just called her up and we began talking. And how many real estate agents have you ever met who are disciples of Ananda Moy Ma? <laughs> this woman lived in Ananda Moy's Ananda Moy Ma, the great woman saying he, she lived in his, her ashram for 25 years. And then she left, came back to this area, and now she's a real estate agent. And so she's helping her son find a house. So it just was like the guidance, the right people, we draw that. But then also, so protection and guidance. But then, and this was the beautiful passage, that in our meditation, we can't, meditation is not an easy thing. We can learn every technique. Many of you receive Kriya for the first time or have been practicing it. These are not straightforward techniques like, okay, this is how you add this app to your device. Kriya is subtle and meditation is subtle. And how could we ever do it without inner guidance? 
And so over the years I have found that beautiful ability, you're doing the technique that you've always done for years and years or weeks and weeks, and all of a sudden, oh, that's how you do that. That's how you go deeper with that. And that's attunement. That's God telling you, I want to. Sh- I gave you these techniques not so that you'll be forever frustrated and and disappointed and thinking I can't do this. I gave you these techniques, and I will show you how to do them if you stay in tune. And so, even the very practice of meditation, it needs that. It needs the grace of the guru to enlighten us to say this is how you do it. And over the years. It has been my experience that little by little that refinement comes and the subtlety comes and the ability to go deeper comes. And even though you think, I don't know if I'll ever get there, you will get there if you stay in tune. Many will fall but it doesn't ha- from the path, but it doesn't have to be if you stay in tune. We just have to keep pushing that forward, pushing that the attunement, the desire to feel master with us in our daily life, moment by moment. And then finally, and this I think is the greatest gift and I, of attunement, and I just am going to read the passage from the Gita that Jyotish finished reading. This is from Bhagavad Gita, 10th chapter. To those who are ever attached to me and who worship me with love, I impart discernment, discernment, by means of which they attain me. Out of my love for them, I, the divine within them, set alight in them the radiant lamp of wisdom, thereby dispelling the darkness of their ignorance. That's a very, very important thought to meditate on. That the divine light within us gives us discernment to keep us on the path. In the chapter in in Swami's autobiography, The New Path, there's a chapter on attunement. And he talks about some of his fellow monks in the in Master's ashram and how heartbreaking it was that this one got pulled away for this reason and that one got pulled away for this other reason. And it needn't have been if they would have just stayed in tune. And so to realize that that attunement gives us the discernment. So if you start going down this path, oh, Maybe I'll do this. That might be a fun thing to do. And then the discernment within us just says, don't risk it. Don't risk it. Stay on the simple path to God. And we think we can play around the edges. And to a certain extent we can, but other of the scriptures say the path to God is like a razor's edge. And Swami said we must always have a healthy respect for delusion, for maya, for the forces that want to pull us away. 
And so that discernment that comes from attunement with the guru guides our steps, not just in practical ways, what real estate agent we should get or whatever, but this in the important ways that say, this is a step that will diminish my attunement with my guru. This is a step which will deepen my attunement with my guru. And that was one of the great blessings about being with Swami, is he just held you in that tractor beam of attunement. And you, if the mind started going, oh, maybe I'll try this, maybe I'll try that, that might be fun, this might be fun. No, you couldn't go there. You just had to stay in that tractor beam. And where does that tractor bring, bring you? To the mothership. <laughs> it brings you to Divine Mother. And that's the fruit of attunement. Always pulling us magnetically, lovingly, with wisdom, with patience, with understanding, with understanding of who we are and what our particular path to God is. Because it's different for each one of us. I've shared this before, but I remember at a Kriya initiation some years ago, that Swami Kriyananda was leading. <clears throat> we all, <clears throat> at the end, came up for the blessing. And then afterwards, there were a few of us standing around him and Swamiji after the ceremony. And Swamiji said, that was a very interesting experience for me. I've never had one like that. And we were all ears, and we said yes. And he said, as each person came up to me, and I blessed them, I could feel their unique path to freedom, to moksha. And it was different for everyone that came up. And so the, the guru, Divine Mother, sees that. He see, she or however the Divine Consciousness sees that this person needs more devotion, this person needs more service, this person needs more emotional stability, this person needs more selflessness, this person needs more, everyone, every one of us, it's different. But the discernment that comes where we feel God's guiding me, he's guiding me to freedom, and he's doing it with love and wisdom and profound understanding of who I am. And the closer you come to God, the more you feel that. It's not like you become nothing. You become your own self. Remember, Swami always used to say, I don't want to convert you to anything but your own higher self. And the deeper you go on the path, the more you recognize who you really are. And you're not afraid of it. I had a strange dream last night, which I just remembered. There was, I was in some big building, and this huge lion came in. And everyone was afraid, and they were running around. And then the lion came up to me, and I, I was scared. But then it sat down next to me, and it started talking, and we were conversing. And I wasn't afraid of the power. And then at a certain point, I just woke up, and I felt very joyful. And I thought, that's the spiritual power of our own being. And people are afraid of it, and they run away. And they'd rather be their little self. But never, we will never be satisfied staying in our little self. We have to, through the Guru's grace, awaken the power within us, the Divine Presence, 
not power of ego, not power of dominion over others or control or any of those things that we see around us, but the power that comes when we've cast aside all lesser senses of self and all that remains is through attunement, the presence of God, which is all that we are, which all is all that there is, and which is where we will ultimately rest in that beautiful home that we were singing about earlier, the home, that power of the presence of God that welcomes us at the end of the day. <laughs> 